Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Ola El-Khatib with us. And she is a teacher in Dubai. She is also a teacher trainer and learning and development trainer, so many roles. She also has her own organization called Olivated, where she shares inspiring videos on LinkedIn and social media. Um, and I love them and often get, you know, DMs with these videos that are inspiring, really, really helping teachers, your hearts in really supporting them in their mental health and how they can do better in their schools. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Jackie. I'm always in awe for all of your work. Your book, um, The Teacher Story, is amazing. And your podcast, The Teacher Story, is wonderful. Um, I am just amazed by how many hats you are already wearing. And I'm excited um, for the collaboration that we are starting. And I'm really happy to be with you today. So thank you. Thank you. I think we have a lot in common because we wear a lot of different hats and we care a lot about teachers and supporting them because by supporting them, right, it supports the students and then they're in a better place too. So my first question for you is what initially inspired you to get into education? I love that. Thank you. <laughs> it's a weird story. I was the eldest of nine and I have been a teacher since like forever. Uh, I remember that my first grade teacher was amazed that I spent my lunchtime teaching my other peers who couldn't read or write when I was just in the first grade. I just felt sorry for them because reading and writing for me started when I was as young as three. And I know it's, it's crazy, but I was the eldest. My mom really put 100% into raising me. And then I managed to step up, step in and help her with the with my siblings, the rest of us. So teaching for me is not a job and it's not a career either. It's something that, you know, when you feel that it's in your blood because you've been doing it for ages, that's what teaching is for me. I love being around children. And if you love children, then you love humanity. So you, you just mm. simply love being around human beings whether they are children or even adults, because with my empathy, I think I have very exceptional empathy skills that enables me to see the little child in everyone, whether they are adults or young people, because in the end, you are really placing yourself in their shoes and you see their struggles, you see their pain. Pain is just a part of the human mm -hmm. experience. And um, by empathizing with everyone, you genuinely continue to become a better teacher. Mm. That's how I knew since I was very young that I was going to be a teacher. And uh, I, I did my training in Saudi. 
So, um, so I studied education there. And then my GPA was the highest. Uh, my GPA was 499 out of five. It was something exceptional that never actually happened in the history of not just the college, but the whole university oh, wow. across different colleges. It's because the level of dedication I put was just massive. And I was already a mom by the time I was studying in college because I had my baby when I was just 19. So, so I was learning about child development, but also implementing that practically. And that what makes it authentic, makes it real, and it makes it your true passion, what you're really passionate about, seeing people flourishing, thriving, and really helping people to reach their full potential and unlock it. So that's what got me into teaching and I'm never sorry about it. <laughs> this is beautiful. I could see that you're just a very poised speaker. You know, you have this essence about you where it is um, very authentic and I can tell that the heart is there and I relate so much 100% like it's in your blood and I love this story. I can't believe like the eldest of nine siblings. Of course, you were caring for a lot of kids. Um, I had kind of a, an opposite of that. I didn't have any uh, siblings until I was like eight years old. So when I was really little, my um, students were my teddy bears and my friends, but I always wanted to like lead them. But I love this quote of loving children is loving humanity. I think that's something I'm going to put up on my bulletin board because that's really powerful. You know, when you can see the child in everyone, when you look at people who, right, are angry or commit violence or, you know, the, the pain that we see in the world right now, but every single person has a child in them. They once were a child. And really, when you see pain and violence and bullying or war, even, it's actually a crying child inside, Right. And I think one thing that a lot of teachers have, maybe not all, but one, especially like yourself, and I would say myself and many others that we are associated with, is they could see that crying child, right? They can have that sense of empathy to say, right? Like we can't justify actions of violence or bullying, but please tell me your story. How can I be there for you? Because we want to help heal right those children um and i think the world really can learn a lot from teachers not just being a professional in an academic area um or whatever that may be or a counselor but they are leaders in the world that truly see people for who they are and want to help them grow and heal and not just bash them or say like oh they're just a bad person and you know I think that could be a way to help combat some of the uh, international and domestic issues we see in the world is coming from a place of empathy and thinking about every single person has a child inside of them. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, would you like to share any like stories, aha moments, challenges, learning moments from your times teaching, maybe early on or even currently i see education as the source it's it should be ideally it should be the source of peace in the world mm. it should bring peace to the world and 
I do think that it's because the very same piece that's missing in education is why the world is in so much pain. I think it should start from education because we are both. We are doing both processes. We are importing and exporting. <laughs> so we are exporting these young people to the world so that they can go and thrive in their college and through their also career journey. And then we are also importing because there has been huge corporati corporatization for schools and uh, I don't think that when this movement started, they were really aware of how much change it will bring to education. Mm. Because the whole education system now has been through a lot of changes, not as many as we wish, but changes to the other side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because these schools are profitable and um, they are not considering the very same authentic reasons they initially started for. It yeah. didn't become, it didn't maintain being their first priority. In the public sector, it's also similar issues because of the lack of budget and for economic reasons. It's still not prioritizing the very same reasons they started the whole school system for. So... I think when we start from within, we mm. might have a better chance of really bringing peace to the world. Peace has to be within education at first. And by peace and education, we mean, you know, I was I was having a chat with, with a founder of um, an organization in the USA where he also works with schools to uh, implement strategies for enhancing well-being. And and he said he said something very funny. He said that whenever there are two more than two people in one room in education, conflict will happen. That's it. <laughs> and that's just so true. But it's sad yeah. that it's reality. It's our reality. It's where we are. There's no alignment. Um, there's no clarity when it comes to schools' vision and mission. They tell you something on paper, but then when you actually work there, you will see that many things are done differently and they are not being communicated effectively or efficiently. It's you and whatever you get, that's it. So people are not aligned in terms of vision, mission, what we are here for, the why, because the why leads to the how. There, there isn't any of that or very little of that to be exact. And if we are really keen on bringing peace to the world, we are supposed to start from within and let's just deal with it in a better way and I think that the empowerment of each individual is how it's going to start it's not mm -hmm. going to start from you know from on an organizational level I'm afraid it, there are some schools that are you know they are very responsive to the needs and the demands of the current time but they are not the majority aren't they mm -hmm. No, when you not. think of schools, uh, just say the word school, what pops up to your mind? Not these little startups, you know? So so I think it, it will start from individuals. And that's what I'm really keen on, talking to individual teachers and listening also mm -hmm. with no judgment. Like you said, everyone has an inner child, even if they are not behaving in a very positive way. 
remove the judgment, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And remove the judgment and be curious. Curious. Curiosity comes from freedom. If you if you have a free mind, then you will ask questions. And just by being there and listening, so much change is going to happen. I'm yeah. really optimistic. Yes, I'm aware of the challenges that are in place. But I'm also very optimistic because once you see the challenges, then that's the only way you're going to address them. But if you just keep on denying and denying and saying that everything's fine, then how on earth are you going to cause any change to happen? Yeah, that's so true. If you keep your head in the sand, right, and you deny or you look away or you're just saying like, oh, well, this is the way it's been, so that's fine, then there can't be any change. So now I think we are in a place in 2023, and I think for since the pandemic, um, where we're noticing the challenges, we're talking about them. That's the beginning stage. I think moving into 2024 and years to come will be, okay, now what do we do with that, right? Now that we're aware, we're talking about it. Now, how do we pull people in from different um, areas of society? Because there's more and more people outside the education industry that really do care about it changing because most people are touched by it in some way. They're touched by it because they have kids. They're touched by it because they're in a area where there's schools and they, they see their neighbors with kids, right? So I think education touches everyone, even if you're not in the industry as an adult. And I like this idea of you have to have peace within for it to be without. I mean, in just my own like inner work and kind of like in the areas of like spirituality, faith, people are into like working on themselves, that's like said a lot, right? You have to find the peace within you in order for there to be peace outside of you. And that needs to be part of the school because if students and teachers are feeling the pressure and feeling overworked, feeling like anxiety, feeling stress, there's no peace there. So how are we supposed to then, A, create students who have peace, you know, help foster that, and then have them be change makers in the world. If we're not fostering the peace in them, how are they going to foster peace in the world? And this generation and generations coming up are really raring to go. They're like wannabe activists. They want to see change happen. We see so many young activists, so many more young entrepreneurs. It's a beautiful thing to see. I was at a um, summit in Berlin in the summer that my school went to, and it was all about sustainability. Many of the speakers were like under 30 years old. Some were still in school. And it was really uplifting to see all of these students come to this summit from various schools around the world, including our cohort of students who see themselves already as change makers. But we need to foster that because that could easily dwindle. Because I remember kind of how I saw myself as a young person. And then over time you get kind of jaded, right? And you get kind of like burnt out. You're like, nothing's changing. And then you get to your mid middle age and you're like, I can't do anything. And I think that's where we're right now going, no, we can. And I think intergenerationally, like merging people in their thirties, forties, fifties, a lot of the people that we connect with, with the young people who want to see change and working together because you can take their brilliance, you can take their vibrancy, their momentum, their energy, their 
perspective with how they look at like the world and new emerging technologies like AI. And then you can take middle-aged, older generations who have kind of the life wisdom, um, who are still energized. They're not like, you know, burnt out, want to stay status quo. That is like the perfect combination. But we do have to prioritize peace in schools peace in schools and peace in children. So yeah, I love, I love this, this idea here of peace within to have peace without. You know, the, the whole educational collective awareness, Jackie needs to embrace a culture where there's no fear because you can never create from a place of fear. If fear is your motive, then you're gonna just get by, but you're not gonna be creative, never. You're never going to make peace or be a change maker if you are just moving from a place of fear. And that's what, what pretty much schools function on. They function based on fear. So they are mm. always worried about the students' assessment results. How are yeah. they going to perform? They are always worried about um, our school ranking in the state mm. or, or in the world, you know, if we are competing against the schools in the world. There's just a lot of fear. And as you said, mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. And you can never create from that place because once you have given the requirements that are not based on you and where you are and where you want to be, you're basing your requirements based on where others are and not where you are. You're creating a whole environment that's based on comparison not mm. like it's it's competition and not collaboration not cooperation unfortunately yeah. and if schools can only understand that it's not really what make you thrive in the future you know mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. have seen many top performers in schools and in college and once they go to the workplace they just give up after two months mm -hmm. this is not the, the sort of challenges they have been prepared for they yeah. can they can pass an exam they can exceed your expectations in a test paper, but that's it. Where's the social and emotional learning? Where's the emotional intelligence? Mm -hmm. Where's the self-awareness? Where are the communication skills? And there's a lot of research that already talks about schools being blamed for the lack of being workforce ready in, right. in, in, the, yeah. in the new generation, you know? And we the problem is we know it. It's not that we don't know it. Okay, if we were in the 80s, maybe then back then you would say, okay, maybe maybe schools don't know about it. But now there's a lot of research that's been already published and everybody knows what the issue is, but maybe there isn't enough discussion around it. Yeah. And not enough initiatives from individuals starting to really create the change because they are hoping to see it on an organizational level. But if you read history... That's that's how everything mm -hmm. great started. You know, people firstly talking and then small initiatives from here and there. And then all of out of a sudden, you know, it's happening and nobody can deny it anymore. So mm -hmm. I think that's where we are. People need more courage mm -hmm. and uh, more use of self-motivation rather than using other factors to get yourself motivated. Just be intrinsically motivated. And assess your progress, I think, because teachers are very good at recognizing their areas of growth and improvement, but they need to be also good in recognizing their own strengths, mm -hmm. I think. Yes. Teachers are very hard on themselves. 
<laughs> very, I mean, I'm one, I'm one of those people too. And this interesting concept of fear is kind of what is running the show. And you see that again, in schools, in students, in teachers, because they fear like evaluations, test scores, what is this going to look like? Am I going to be able to, you know, perform well, keep my job? And then you see that on the world stage, because all the conflicts we have in the world is based off of fear and competition, right? Countries competing, um, one country thinking they're superior over another, fear of losing something, fear of being attacked, all, all of this, it's the same energy. If we look at it as energy, the energy we see in schools is the same energy we're seeing in, you know, many work industries and then in like geopolitics, it's the same. So if we create an environment that's built on peace, collaboration, creativity, thinking outside the box, expansion of that energy, and you have students, you know, pre-K through 12th grade, they're 18 years old, have 18 years of that for their formative cognitive, you know, development, that's going to be instilled in them. You don't lose that, right? I mean, you can lose it, but it would be more difficult to lose 18 years of fostering peace, love, creativity, collaboration, because their brain's developing so rapidly and doesn't finish developing until like 25. So they say they carry that on to college or in the workforce. Those are people who will change the world. Those are people that will change the world. I mean, if you have a fear-based system and you have students who are living in fear, competing, am I good enough, putting themselves down, often students don't look at their strengths first, they look at their weaknesses, and then you put them out as adults in the world, how are they going to actually like motivate and change and, and produce anything that's like really positive? People who are talking, you feel that yeah. it's their trauma speaking, activities yes. speaking. It's not an actual human being, human being that you're speaking to. And that is something that we really need to start addressing from within. You know, it's mm -hmm. a healing journey. You start with yourself and then you start giving a helping hand to those around you. Just small changes in small communities. That's yeah. how it all begins. And never lose faith, really, because mm -hmm. we are already in a place that's better than what we were before, before mm -hmm. COVID. Although it sounds yeah. like it's gotten worse. But at least there is the awareness. Now we are more yes. aware of what's wrong with this system because it almost all went down during COVID, didn't it? I, yeah. We are still dealing with students who have a learning gap. Yeah. And this is why schools are not getting it right because they think the most you, the more now you focus on academia and knowledge, the more you're going to fix that gap that students right. have after COVID. But that's not true because our students are not empty vessels for us to fill them you know yeah our students are human beings and the solution starts from within if they yeah. have the power to set their own goals to acknowledge their strengths before even acknowledging their their areas of improvement if they are able to talk about their why then mm. they're gonna figure out the how themselves we're not yeah. giving them enough accountability or trust we are micromanaging the kids yes, and we are. we're being micromanaged, we are micromanaged. <laughs> and you talk about that a lot with your um Olivate it if so if you want to share a little bit more about you know especially I always talk about this um as kind of like the arc of 
the story is the pandemic being an opening to like the work you're doing now. So if you want to talk a little bit about like what it was like to go through this time period and how it's um, given this maybe opportunity for you to start Olivated and some of the other teacher training that you're doing. Thank you. So I was already actually doing my master's degree during COVID and uh, I was thinking that, you know, this is the best I can do because now I'm learning how to support my students best and uh, I'm learning the most up-to-date research. So I was thinking at the beginning, you know, that this is the best I can do. But then once we were back to face-to-face -to -face learning, I was still a student doing my master's. It took me four years. So once we were back to school, I was like, no, whatever I have been learning in university is not gonna be enough. Mm. Students are struggling. Teachers are unhappy. And the whole awareness within the educational communities is, you know, if we're not gonna give you a badge of honor for being super busy all the time, we will say that it's normal. It's, it's the norm for teachers to be super busy and running like heedless mm. chicken all <laughs> day from five, uh, what day, what time do you start in, in America? We start at 7, 7.30-ish. Yeah, some schools start at 7.30 and we start at like, teachers are there at 7.30, Yeah, we are there around 7 as well and then to 5. So, yeah. so you're running from 7 to 5. Some days you have even forgotten to eat your lunch or, or your <laughs> breakfast. You haven't eaten anything since morning. I wonder how we look like, you know, if, if that's the case to our, these young people. What do they see? Like, just, just imagine yourself in their seat and you're looking at a hungry person who hasn't. <laughs> yeah, I know there's times I've had to leave the class and luckily I'm with like teenagers who like won't like burn down the classroom. But I'm like, I literally need to go and fill this up with water because I have not drank any water for like two, three hours. I'm like, that's terrible. Yeah. And I'm talking and I'm running around and doing stuff. I'm like, I need to be drinking water, but I have no time to actually just get water. <laughs> So I have to like leave so, the class for a few minutes exactly. just to do that. So, yeah. so the whole awareness needs to change. And I was able to see that when we were back to face-to-face -to -face learning. I saw that, yeah. oh my God, even a master's degree won't, won't tell you what to do. So I went up for the next challenge, although I was still a student master, like a, a, a student in my master. And then I went like for a coaching qualification with the ICF. I was like, okay, let me learn about other strategies or tools to best support students and colleagues because the like the norm now is that you're very close to burnout and that's something mm. you know people can just look away and act like they don't see it because mm. they have it themselves like even yeah. if you talk to your school principal he's probably more burnt out than, than you right <laughs> yeah no, I'm talented. sure administration is yeah so I it's know. for everyone to be exact like to be honest I empathize with everyone within that cycle. No matter what your position is, you are still struggling with the same circumstances. It's it's actually even more if you go up the hierarchy. It's even more because you're dealing now with many stakeholders and mm -hmm. everything is just dictated. There's so mm -hmm. much dictation in education. You know, we used to do dictation, spelling tests, <laughs> only, in, only in primary. And then we stopped doing it in middle and, and high school, didn't we? But then you find that this is how education actually functions, based yeah. on dictation, spelling bees mm -hmm. everywhere. So um, I took I took that um, coaching qualification. It was really an eye-opening 
for me. I realized that you can always choose to either be a part of the problem, be a victim and say the system did this and that to me, or you can use that because you certainly have struggled. I certainly have struggled. Everybody did, but you can either choose to stop there and be a victim, or you can choose to be a part of the solution. Yeah. If your struggle was that big, mm. and I know it has been, so why don't you use it as a building block, you know? Mm -hmm. That's that's what you got. There's a saying that says, whatever in the way is the way. Mm. So if my way was filled with struggles and problems and issues, I still can just by overcoming these, I still can be a part of the solution for others as well. And yeah. that's what, what I'm a big believer. I believe about, I believe in dialogue, just foster mm -hmm. dialogue, open communication, open channels and safe channels because there isn't yeah. many of them. But just by you taking the risk and trying to evoke that awareness within others, you already are a part of the solution and you can never mm -hmm. take that back. Nobody can take it back from you. Once you started, that's it. You are on your way and slow mm -hmm. progress, sometimes even better than fast progress. Yeah. Because we have it's to be okay with slow. Yeah. And yeah, I think we have to recognize that slow progress is still progress. I think people get disenchanted, disheartened of nothing's changing, but it's like everything happens in baby steps. Sometimes the best change happens in a very slow, methodical way because we can't be revolutionary about everything. I think we're getting to a point where we want to build the momentum and move a little quicker. But if you break everything down and or burn everything down and think that you could just rebuild it, like that's not actually feasible. Like, you know, when I first started this podcast, teachers that were leaving rightfully so had a lot of their you know a lot that they went through and they were very angry but they're like the whole thing's going to come crumbling down I'm like but there's people still in it so we can't we don't want it to crumble um it's slowly deteriorating but we can also slowly bring in change to lift it back up and I'm going back to this whole even administrators and as you move up you know, the, the ladder, like there's more and more pressure and it's still fear-based. It's the idea of like, I think about my school cause it's an independent school and we're going through, you know, still financial difficulties from the pandemic. And we've lost, you know, families because it's a very expensive tuition. And so, you know, when you're the head of school or an administration, you're constantly thinking about like, we just need to stay open. So what do we have to do to compete? What do we have to do to keep our you know, self, our school relevant in a, a place where there's really great public schools and there's other really great private schools that don't cost as much as our school. So it's still coming from a fear-based, yeah. you know, place instead yeah. of saying, well, what do we have that's really special? And let's just keep elevating that. And mm -hmm. yeah, we might lose some people because of the economic situation, but we got to keep building up something that feels like really relevant in society right now and really like authentic people want authenticity and I believe you talked about opening lines of communication one thing I think that is lacking but getting better and I'm starting to do this more in schools and you're doing this like in your videos that you share 
is we need to be honest. We need to be truthful, even if we don't want to hear it. Like I would love to see an opening meeting at the beginning of the school year, or maybe a closing meeting so you can let it marinate through the summer and say, we're going to just have a, a workshop where it could be anonymous. I want you to write down on a post-it note, like do the parking lot thing around like, you know, the, the room. And I want you to write down what A is the, the holes in our school. What are the things that you see that are problematic? Maybe we can't fix them all over a summertime period, but we want to be aware, not turn a blind eye. And then what do you see as feasible change? Like what could we start to actually do? And what would like rejuvenate you to be a part of this community? And giving that agency to the teachers and even giving that to the students, like it's okay to be truthful. That's the awareness that we need. And then to be truthful that we're not going to change it all overnight. It's going to happen incre incrementally, but we are going to say, you have a place to share your honest truth. We are going to listen to you and we're going to start to work on a plan over a time period with students and teachers being part of the, the leaders, like facilitating this change. So like, if I had the opportunity to do that, I would say, we need a more robust advisory program. We need more SEL, you know, social emotional learning and a focus on mental health. I'd really like to see us working on that. I would love to help lead that with the lead advisors next year, right? And then boom, you already got a leader, pay your leader, <laughs> pay your person to lead a workshop or a program, not just like I'm volunteering my time yet again for one more thing. And you start to do that little by little and then say, get students involved. Like, what do you see missing in our advisory program? Like, this is just the one example I have. What would you like to see in it besides like, I want to take a nap, <laughs> you know, I want to just like be on my phone. Like really, what can we do to, to help work in some other areas of education? Like think about again, the SEL, EQ, mental health, all that. And then the students can help lead maybe some lessons, right? And give them agency. That is something you could do in a summer and change it for the following school year. And that could be one aspect. But we have to start and say, please tell us what's not working in this school. Yeah. Teachers yeah. tell us, students tell us. And what, what do you think is feasible? All what it takes is that pause moment where you just stop everything, yes. drop everything and be with me for a moment where we will truly reflect. You know, what you were just saying is actually called the cup framework uh, mm. by Wilson uh, in 2018. C is for connect on what matters most. So mm. both parties will really get what matters and they will understand why it matters and they prove they get it. So they mm -hmm. connect on what matters most, that's the C. And then for the U, understand what's possible from both sides. So what's possible in my world, what's possible in your world. Mm -hmm. And then we co-create a third world where we can meet. And then finally, we partner for progress. So that's the P. So it's a C for connect, U for understand, and P for partner. Partner for progress, where we chunk down the challenge and co-create a solution and mm. 
we agree on our parts, who owns what. So what's my role? What's your role? What's the student's role? What's the parent's role? And that's distributive leadership when everyone, everyone is just a part of the solution. There's a lot of research, Jackie, Jackie that says that leadership is just a distributive phenomena, meaning that if, even if you try not to distribute it, it will distribute itself because yeah. I'm either a part of your problem where you're trying to overcome me, or I'm either a part of your solution, a part of your initiative by having a role within. Mm -hmm. So leadership itself, the science of leadership is lacking mm -hmm. in, in schools, the way schools that the way schools are running, basically. It's it's not based on science because leadership science tells you that everyone must be acknowledged, everyone must be seen and heard either positively or passively, because if it's passively, congratulations, you just got yourself another, you know, an another struggle cause, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, the cup framework. I'm going to keep that in mind and put that up on my bulletin board. I have like all these little nuggets of awesome <laughs> Ola quotes today. Thank you so much. You're so brilliant. Yeah, I just... It doesn't have to be a lot. And I feel like you actually do more with less when you keep things simple. And so if you have that pause moment and you kind of catch like people off guard and you're like, I want you to tell me what you really think, right? I had this pause moment my first couple of years teaching in Hawaii and I write about it in my book. Um, and I have actually a very like specific narrative that I write about almost like a diary entry of this one student that really challenged me because I was from Philadelphia area, you know, in the Northeast of the United States, very different than Hawaii, culturally, everything. And I'm going in as this teacher trying to teach them Hawaiian history, <laughs> right? They're like, ah, you're not credible. So I had to have a pause moment. I talked to the counselor and I explained I'm getting pushed back from students. And she's like, you kind of need to like stop everything for like a lesson or two, whenever you need. And you need to ask them, you know, what's not working. And I did. And I was 23, 24 years old. It was really hard for me to do. I'm very fortunate I did it at such a young age because it stayed with me to say like, you know, clearly we have a disconnect. What do you not understand about me and my teaching? What do I not understand about you and your culture? And let's just pause for, we did it like two lessons. And the first one was just like, write questions, write issues and concerns, write about things that you don't understand about me and what you think I don't understand about you. And then like the next day was like, okay, now let's share about each other's background. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and where I'm from and why I'm even here. Why am I teaching you? And then tell me a little bit about your culture and background and what would help me teach you better oh my gosh it transformed the classroom I had that student come back the following year when she went off to high school and come and visit me and was like so connected and I I went from uh, probably hating me probably like I hate this teacher to wow you really care about us because you decided to stop curriculum and get to know who we are and be kind of like truthful, you know, yeah. saying like, I'm not doing a very good job as your teacher. Like, I don't know who you are. How am I supposed to teach you? 
properly. And that always stayed with me. Like you got to know your kids. You got to know your teachers. You got to know the people in the community before you do anything. Yes. It, it, that That's foundational and that's leadership. So leadership is also saying, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to say I'm doing something wrong. I'm yeah. clearly, I'm not aligned or I don't know what's going on and I need you to help me get there and I will find a way to move us forward together. That is like, that's like the best leadership. You have to be honest. And it shows that you are very secure because vulnerability really comes from security. Yeah. You are not getting it right, but you're fine with admitting that because that's the mm -hmm. only way you will get it right. <laughs> right. You have to start <laughs> with that, you know, and I think you share a lot of that in what you share in your videos and giving a lot of support to teachers. So um, before we kind of wrap up in a little bit, you want to share a little bit more like granular details about what you're doing now and like the whole um, Elevated and how you are helping to train teachers or give support to them? So all what I do is really believing in people. I know that they have their answers within and they just need to tap into their own why. Sometimes you need that extra little hand to guide you just, just by being there, giving you all the space you need with no judgment at all, with just open-ended questions and curiosity and a heart with ears so all what I do is I start with the strengths the character strengths survey it's it's for mm. free everyone can do it it helps you find learn about your strengths and then I will ask you some questions about where you've been utilizing these strengths because science says that when you are working and starting to work from a place of strength you're less likely to suffer or struggle or be disengaged or even get tired or exhausted because your strengths are your natural gift mm -hmm. and everybody has them so what I do is I help my clients find that alignment between their strengths and their professional and personal settings if you're always acting from a place of strength then your wellness is very high. You're less likely to feel insecure or threatened. Uh, your confidence is really high. And then you're able to communicate effectively with others because you are communicating from a place of confidence and strength. So it's really strengths-based support. And it starts with support, but it ends with empowerment. Because my initial goal is that for everyone to be their own coach. Because coaching is all about a process. It's not about the person. It's the process. Once you learn it and you embody it yourself, that's it. You can be your own coach and then you can offer a helping hand to others around you as well. So my goal is really to see people flourishing individually without even a need for, for someone to help them, but then they are the ones helping others. And the more you extend that support and empowerment, the more then we thrive as communities and as global countries as well, you know? Yeah. So that's my vision, really. A world where there is professional and personal alignment that's based mm -hmm. on strengths, where yeah. you don't feel that you have to tear your soul apart to be good at work where it comes naturally because it's what you love doing. It's what you're good at. And um, it's how you 
really reach your full potential and make your purpose a reality. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think that's where we have to start from because if you start from your limiting beliefs and what you think are areas of weakness that you concentrate on, and I think our brain automatically always goes that it's the, like the limbic system, fear-based reptilian brain, because that's part of our evolution where we needed that to survive as early humans. But now we're kind of like always in that cycle and we have to do the cognitive work to go the other way and focus on the strength. So I like that your coaching really focuses on that and that everyone then is their own coach because the idea is you're passing the baton, you're passing it along. It's kind of the um, ripple effect, right? Ripple out effect where you now have this um, process and now you can teach it to somebody else. They can teach it and so forth and so forth. So that it's like you have a sense of your own ownership of like your the work that you can do with yourself and give it to others. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing Thank your story you. today. Thank you so much, Jackie. This was really amazing. Um, I really appreciate your time, the space you've given me and the beautiful shares. You've reminded me of the true name of your book. It's The Guided Teacher. Sorry for saying the teacher story. That's your podcast. So I'm aware that <laughs> that's it's fine. Guided <laughs> and fine. once you actually mentioned the true story you've been through, uh, that reminded me of it, where you had to sit with the students, partner with them, and really ask them what's going wrong and why. Why yeah. is it going wrong? And then that's where you started. So that's a great way to guide people. That's why yes. your book speaks of its name, The Guided Thank Teacher. You. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> and it comes from a place of, again, that vulnerability that like if you can say you're guided, right? Like you're always getting mentorship. You're always getting help. And it's not just from people that are older than me or other colleagues. Like I'm being guided by my students as well. Um, I'm, you know, guided by mentors. I'm guided by my you know, connection to like God and spirit, you know, all the things. It doesn't have to be necessarily like guided in the way of I'm going right to, you know, God or faith, but that you're guided by other people. And everybody is doing things in community. Everyone is doing things to better themselves with the people around them. No one is doing it by themselves. If someone says, I did this, I got here because of me solely that is a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. You had someone along the way help you in some fashion. And I think the more we are aware of that and we're giving gratitude for the people that have helped us along the way, whether that's students, other older colleagues, mentors, or whoever that may be, family members, friends, um, there, there's a humility there, right? Then this the sense that I don't do this on my own. I do this in community. The power of people gathering together on yes. one one vision, one mission, shows you yeah. really the power of unity, which is what we need to see more in schools. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you're doing. You do it with your messaging. You are always giving shout outs to people on LinkedIn and you are a community builder. Like, you know, and I met you through through Hope Patterson. So like her whole community with the brain trust, like it's just, you keep seeing all the people who are coming together to support you, but you're all supporting each other. So such a blessing to have you on the teacher story today. Can you share any contact information or where the listeners can find you, you on social media? And I can plug that in the show notes. 
Thank you. I'll send you all the links. It's, it, they all have the same, all my social media pages have the same name, Elevated. So they can find that, whether it's YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Now they call it X. <laughs> <laughs> You're on everything. That's awesome. Good. We need the reach. We need Ola out there. This is great. Thank I will share you. all those links in the show notes. So thank you again for taking time to be on the teacher story and sharing your beautiful message. Thank you, Jackie. Wishing you a fantastic new year. All the very best. You too. And more collaboration for sure in the future. I can't wait already. <laughs> Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices.